All right, the Two TV Sports Tosh and Jerry podcast is back after a great weekend of NFL football, college football, MLB playoff marathon that's been absolutely insane if you're a baseball fan, and the NBA Finals. We're back to give our takes on all the happenings, as well as give our upset and locks of the week at the end of this pod. But uh, Jerry, your power's out, I guess. But super, uh, super excited to talk about this past week with you. Yeah, man, no power, but I'm super excited to be here. Had to get this pod in, really got a lot of takes. Firstly, want to say thanks to my dad for taking us out to dinner tonight with the powers out, avid listener of the podcast. Um, really appreciate that. Uh, but Tosh, back to you for some, some fun happenings this week. Throughout this football season, we've got a great lineup for you guys. Monday, the not-so-overreaction article that Jerry's writing, reacting to the weekend of NFL games. He's always got some hot takes out there. You've got to pay attention to that article on 2tvsports.com. On Tuesday, Jackson Roberts has got you on the Tuesday morning blitz, and this is going to give you a comprehensive recap of everything going on in the NFL. In case you missed any games, Jackson's there. He's giving you takes. He's, he's recapping you. It's a must-read must, must uh, read piece on 2tvsports.com. On Wednesday is the 2TV Sports Top 25. Um, and that's also on our Instagram as well as 2tvsports.com, breaking down who are the top 25 teams in the NFL. Thursday is when the Tosh and Jerry pod comes out, as well as our lock and upset of the week. So we know you guys are locked in on that. And Friday's uh, really fun uh, new article that I'm working on is the uh, weekend spotlight, the 2TV weekend spotlight. What games are going to be on our TVs this weekend. Give you a short preview of those. So uh, stay locked in on 2tvsports.com on our Instagram. And uh, we appreciate the support and the commentary from all you guys. So keep it coming. And on to NFL Week 4. I've got some games here we're going to recap. First one is Bucks chargers Justin Herbert, Tom Brady, an absolute shootout. The shootout we've been waiting for as Duck fans for four years. Justin Herbert's an absolute stud. He's better than Joe Burrow. And uh, Jerry, I wanted to get your take on this game. Yeah, man, this one was super, super fun. I think we both like the quarterbacks. I think obviously I like Brady a little bit more than you do, but I know you're a huge Herbert guy and uh, I can't hate him as well. I'm really happy to see him starting, even though it's a bad uh, injury to Tyrod from his own team doctor. This game was really, really fun. Um, It was a lot closer because Brady had a pick six in the first half, but Herbert continues to look good after taking over the starting role. Um, I know that Chris Godwin's out for the Buccaneers, but Brady seems to love this guy, Miller. Uh, He seems to be the new Edelman, Wes Welker type, uh, the guy in the slot that he really loves going to, and so that's good to see. He has two running backs in Rojo and Fournette. Even though Fournette was out, he'll be back this season. Not really worried about that. Um, Clearly, the Chargers are not ready to take the next step, but that's because I think they have a lot of injuries on defense rather than the lack of what Herbert's able to do on offense. Um, and I think the Chargers definitely have their guy going forward. And I know I know they like Tyrod, but um, I think it might be time to announce that Herbert's the guy going forward for them. Yeah, so you get a good coach in there. I, I don't want any of this Anthony Lynn business. You get a good coach in there with Herbert. Give me Eric the enemy from the Chiefs, offensive coordinator there. You match him with Herbert, and you're looking at a, at a great offense for the next 15 years. And uh, that dude's got a cannon. And uh, onto the Bucks side, 
Like the Bucks are on, they're on fringe Super Bowl contention for me. I, I like what they're doing. I think it's the Packers and Seahawks, and then in the in the top tier, and then it's the Rams and Bucks. And so, uh, I'm gonna keep a close eye on how the Bucks are gonna kind of come together here. But um, I, I do think that they've got a chance, Jerry. Um, the Bucks are looking pretty good. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people were on the Bucks for the Super Bowl just because they have Tom Brady. Um, I mean, I hope that he does well, obviously, but I think they still have a lot to prove um, in their own division with the Saints um, as soon as Michael Thomas comes back, let alone in the entire NFC with the Packers and Seahawks that we're both very high on, like you just mentioned. Um, so I, the Bucks are not the favorites for me, at least coming out of the NFC yet, but I think they definitely have time um, to get that continuity and you know make a decent run. But to what you said, Eric, the enemy and the Chiefs, being a good candidate for a head coaching job, he took on my Patriots this week, and my Pats defense held them to only six points in the first half. I have a lot of thoughts on this game. Um, the first being that incredible that we only held them to, or that we held them to six points in the first half. Um, Brian Hoyer, Hoyer made an absolutely awful mistake at the very end of the first half. He's supposed to be the game manager. Know our playbook in and out. Uh, takes a sack. No timeouts left. We go down six three. That was pretty frustrating. Um, another part was when Mahomes, we had a, we had a fumble that was recovered by us. If it wasn't a fumble, it was an interception by us that the refs just said, no, it was an incomplete forward pass. And Bill Belichick was so irate that I guess he didn't challenge it. Um, so that was a huge momentum swing for us. And I'm not saying that we would have won the game by any means. Um, but I think that a lot of things were working against us that would have made it a lot closer in the end rather than, uh, the blowout that it eventually turned into. So Bill, Bill Belichick, great coach, came up with a great game plan, held the Chiefs in check. Uh, this might be a hot take, but uh, Patrick Mahomes is, I think, actually pretty overrated at this point. I don't even know if he's the best quarterback in the NFL, let alone what some people say is the best quarterback ever. Like, he does have Kelsey and Hill. Those guys are insane. Um, but Mahomes is a little overrated, very turnover-prone, threw two picks in the Super Bowl. Um, the Chiefs, while they're number one ranked team in, in the uh, two TV sports top 25 uh, that I made, I do think that that uh, they're a little bit susceptible and it would not shock me if if uh, they weren't, you know, the number one seed for a while. But uh, Jerry, is Mahomes overrated? No, I mean, I think that Mahomes, if you're starting a quarter, a franchise or, you know, you have any pick of any quarterback right now, I think you take Mahomes over anybody else. And so. Yeah, like sometimes he does have some turnovers, but I think even without Hill and Kelsey, I think you can build around him. And I think you take Mahomes over, you know, Rodgers just due to age. And I think, you know, Mahomes has a brighter future ahead of him. To your earlier point, no, he's not the greatest quarterback of all time right now because the guy who's playing for the Buccaneers, who we just talked about, Tom Brady, is the greatest quarterback of all time as of right now. Can Mahomes do that if he wins five, six rings? Yeah, eventually. So I'm still on the Mahomes train. I know that you're a little bit lower on him, but for right now, I think the Chiefs are cream of the crop, team to beat in the NFL, um, despite some of their deficiencies. The Chiefs have gotten out to a pretty good start here, 4-0, and number one in the two TV top 25. Jerry, um, the Bills look legit, and uh, if I were a Pats fan, I'd be pretty worried that they're going to win that division. They're 4-0. They just came off a huge win against a team that's thinking about, you know, it might be playoff time for the Raiders. Um, but the Bills went down to Vegas. They took care of business. Josh Allen's legit. Um, the Bills are going to win the AFC East. That's my prediction. No, 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 no. I don't think so at all because the Bills actually haven't played anybody. 
You know, they play the Jets and the Dolphins, um, barely squeaked by the Dolphins. Uh, we They just played the Raiders and won by seven. And the week before that, the Patriots played the Raiders and won by more than seven. And honestly, the Bills haven't played anybody remotely talented. And so this next second quarter of the season, they play the Titans, Chiefs, Jets, and Patriots. So three out of their next four games are not easy games. I don't think they're favored in those games. Uh, maybe they're favored against the Titans, but honestly, I think the Titans can easily win. Potentially an upset of the week. We'll see what happens if the Titans actually play and they don't get disciplined. But the Bills, I'll give it to them, are two games up on the Patriots, um, and that's great. But they haven't played anybody. I'm excited for them to, when they play the Chiefs. And listen, we get them in four weeks, you know. This division is still up for grabs. I still like the Patriots in this division. Josh Allen has been great, but I'm not sold on the Bills just yet. Congrats on your 4-0 start. It's great. You've played cupcakes. Just wait until you face a real opponent. Yeah, classic Pats fan take to discount the Bills. The Bills are coming for you guys. The Dolphins are good, and they beat them. The Raiders are pretty good. They beat them. And the Rams are one of the best teams in the NFL, and they beat them. Uh, They're winning every game they play, and they've got a stud at quarterback. And the Bills Bills are uh, looking good. Um, One other team in matchup this week that really caught my eye was uh, Browns-Cowboys. Baker Mayfield flinging the ball around um, and looking really good. I think Kevin Stefanski, the Browns coach, knows what he's doing, and that's made all the difference from uh, the shit show that was Freddie Kitchens and Hugh Jackson. And the Browns are now ranked number 12 in the uh, 2TV Top 25. And to me, it looks like they might be one of one of these surprise playoff teams in the AFC. There's a lot there. I think that they're still looking up at the Steelers and the Ravens. So it's going to be hard to make the playoffs unless, you know, there's three AFC North teams coming out out of the seven, which, you know, could happen in a weaker AFC uh, conference. Um, Stefanski, obviously an upgrade from Freddie Kitchens and all the previous coaches that the Browns have had. Um, to your Baker point, I'm not so sure that Jarvis Landry is not the best quarterback on that team. Um, I don't have a strong opinion on Baker. Some weeks I'm like, oh, this guy, you know, is pretty good and can be a starter for 10 years. And other times I'm like, why the hell is he still in this league? And so I think that's just kind of the Baker roller coaster. I know he has all the insane confidence in the world. You know, maybe he could play a little bit better to back up all the commercials he's doing. Um, and that's, I'm not even an anti-Browns person. I really like watching them. They have a lot of talent. You know, Chubb, Kareem Hunt, uh, Odell, Jarvis Landry, and Baker, uh, as well as, you know, Miles Garrett on the defense. I love the pieces that they have, and I just wish that they could be competitive with the Ravens and the Steelers, but I still think they're in that second-tier class. Um, And then to go towards this Browns-Cowboys game and look more at the Cowboys, I mean, what do you do if you're Jerry Jones? Because clearly... Um, it doesn't really matter what quarterback you have because, you know, Dak, as good as he is, throws for 500 yards, a couple touchdowns, um, and looks amazing. But if you can't win with Dak, what's the point in overpaying him $35, $40 million a year that he wants if you're not going to win and have a competent defense? And so the Cowboys might still win this division because the Eagles are terrible. I have no confidence in them. The Giants are just a train wreck. And we're going to get to Washington in just a second. But if you're Jerry Jones, like, why not just draft another guy or even, you know, let Brandon Whedon take over and throw to all those studs you have a wide receiver? Yeah, it's a tough one. I think you got to pay Dak. He's he's a good quarterback, and he's been playing pretty well. Um, Cowboys' schedule does ease up here a little bit. I think they're going to get back on track. 
um, and probably win that division at maybe nine and seven. Uh, so I'm okay with you paying Dak, but then you have even less money to pay the defense, which they don't even have right now when you're not paying Dak. So that's my only issue with that. Yeah, the defense, you're, I mean, they're just going to need to hit on some draft picks um, and get and sign some low-cost free agents like Alden Smith. Um, their secondaries, you know, after losing Byron Jones and a few other guys back there, like their secondary is a huge issue. Uh, one thing, too, is that they have played against some of the better offenses in the NFL and the Rams, the Seahawks, the Falcons, and the Browns. Offense honestly looks pretty good. Let's, like, let's wait a few weeks and see how they look after they they beat up on some of these bad teams that they've got coming up. They're in an easy division. They're probably going to get four or five divisional wins. Uh, they should be able to to get things back on track. And if they're playing well come playoff time um, and they can pull off an upset or two, like the season's going to look a lot different than it does right now after losing to some pretty good football teams. Oh, for sure, man. I mean, I have the Cowboys coming out of this division still. I don't trust any of the other teams coming out of this division. I think even though they are a dumpster fire of a team and I like rooting against them, they're still going to come out and somehow make the playoffs. Um, But before we move on, I did want to talk about another NFC East team, their situation. The Washington football team now um, has gotten rid of Dwayne Haskins. He was drafted by a different regime. We talked about him a couple of months ago on the pod and what we thought about him, but I wanted to address it again here. He's been benched for Kyle Allen, and I wanted your thoughts on Dwayne Haskins. We're both not very high on him. So we could see a few months ago, like, like I mean, he's not, he's not a great quarterback, and he's not going to be a great quarterback. If you want to wait maybe five years down the line and really develop him, he could end up being average at best. But to me, average in the NFL isn't going to win you Super Bowls. And if I were the Washington football team, I would be tanking for Trevor hard. I think their defense is a little bit too good to be one of the worst teams, like Jets bad, but... But yeah, they need they they're gonna need a quarterback. I mean, Kyle, Kyle Allen's not the solution there. Definitely, man. Um, I hope that their defense is worse than the Jets, which is pretty unlikely because I'd rather have the Washington Football Team have Trevor Lawrence than the Jets. Um, so I don't have to deal with him in the division for the next you know decade. But hopefully, Alex Smith does get a snap in the game, come back from that horrific leg injury like Joe Theismann. Um, and you know, I don't know if he should be playing out there, but he clearly wants to. And, you know, Washington is the perfect situation to get him some, some real-time snaps out there, welcome him back to the field. So that's a real feel-good story. Um, and hopefully Washington continues to be terrible this season, so they can get Trevor instead of the Jets. Uh, but speaking of terrible teams, the Texans lost to the Vikings, fired Bill O'Brien, GM, coach, ex-Patriots offensive coordinator, traded away DeAndre Hopkins, uh, made some terrible acquisitions. What do you make of this firing? I... I think it's the the right move. I mean, I don't hate Billy O'Brien as a coach, um, especially as like an offensive coordinator. But uh, yeah, the way he was running that team is just not gonna not gonna cut it. And I think he was trying to kind of be like Belichick and just do what he wanted to do and not really care about personalities and like not really care about you know who are good players and just try to get guys to fit his system and do his thing and like unless you're Belichick it doesn't really work so uh get him out of there get someone good in there who knows how to build around Watson and uh just hope Watson develops and so yeah I'm behind the uh firing of Billy there yeah agreed uh I just am surprised that Gase or Dan Quinn were not the first ones fired 
I think uh, Bill O'Brien was like third or fourth projected to be fired. Um, and so I have no issue with them letting him go, but I, you know, there should have been some other coaches that should have been parted ways with before him. Um, uh, but anyways, enough of the NFL, let's get to some college ball, man. All five conferences are back and that's super exciting because, you know, two TV sports was born of us watching college football on a bunch of different TVs, two TVs, the most important games. And I want to get into it now the PAC 12 back and the big, big 10 is back. So let's get into it. Let's break it yeah, down. College football is officially back. The Auburn-Georgia game, I mean, everyone was watching that game pretty much, uh, and it was over quickly because Bo Nix is an absolute bum. But, um, yeah, college football's back, and we couldn't be more excited because there's, you know, there's nothing better than, than spending all Sunday and Saturday on the couch uh, watching different games. And so – yeah, let's break this down. I mean, it kind of the college football playoff is, I guess, is what every team is playing for. Uh, the Big Twelve sucks, and they're not going to have a team in there, so that opens the door up for uh, either another SEC team, another like Pac-12 team, uh, you know, Pac-12 team to get in, which would kind of be a surprise for some, but uh, or Notre Dame. And so let's kick it off with the SEC. I mean, this is where college football's bread and butter is. Uh, who do you like in the SEC this year, Jerry? Yes. Yeah, so the SEC, always the powerhouse of college football. And so there's a couple teams I'm looking at in the SEC. Um, Bama obviously has to be there with Saban and anybody he has on the Bama roster. Like, they're going to be competitive. Um, next, Florida looks awesome. Um, it, they keep games close in the first quarter, and then they have a receiver there, and they just look great. Uh, throughout the first games that I've seen. Yeah, I got a, Another team I'm looking at is Georgia, who I know... I got a quick question about Florida, Jerry. Um, Kyle Trask, I'm hearing all about this kid. Uh, potential NFL, no one thought he was going to be good, and now people are saying first-round pick. I know you've watched a little bit of Florida. Is Trask like a stud, like Burrow, and, and can carry his team, or is he more of a game manager type who's just doing well with a bunch of talent surrounding him? So I think it's a little bit of both. I don't think he's at the talent level of Burrow and Trevor. Um, and he does have a little bit of receiver help, but he's definitely not a game manager. Like, he's making plays. Um, Florida looks really, really good, really competitive under Dan Mullins. And they look like they're actually going to compete. So the problem with Florida's schedule is that they play Georgia on November 7th. But conversely, Bama also plays Georgia a month earlier in October. And so it, the SEC really comes down to Georgia, Bama, and Florida. And they're in different conferences. Bama's in the West. You know, Georgia's in the East. So they could potentially meet in the SEC conference championship game. I don't see any of the other teams taking the SEC. I, you know, LSU had that pretty bad loss a week ago. And so I don't think they're going to repeat. Really, I think that you're pretty low on Georgia. And I think it comes down between Florida and Bama. And it, the real question is, can Florida actually play consistent enough to get there? And I, I don't know yet. I'm really excited to find out. Uh, when they play Georgia on November 7th. Yeah, I'm not high on Georgia. Um, I don't really like their quarterback. He's kind of just an average dude at quarterback. Um, I do really like Alabama. They're going to get in the playoff. It's going to be Alabama and Clemson. Then you've got to think someone from the Big Ten is going to get in, probably Ohio State with Fields. So we have Ohio State, right? Yeah. It's got to be Ohio State so from I the think, Big Ten. Exactly. So I think there's one other team that gets in, and I think that's between Oregon, USC, Notre Dame, um, 
and then potentially like a one loss or two loss Big Ten or SEC team. But um, this seems like a really good year for for a Pac-12 school to get in. I like that take, but the problem is I don't know if the ba- the Pac-12 plays enough games for the college football community to take them seriously. We know as Pac-12 Oregon guys that the Pac-12 historically beats up on itself, um, and that never looks good at the end of the season. So I know you know the Ducks and USC Trojans are favored to be the teams coming out of the Pac-12, but they're only starting to play in November and going towards to December 18th when they play the conference championship game. I think that's only seven, eight games. And so I hope if there's an undefeated Pac-12 team, they get a serious look, the USC or the Ducks, you know, they should get that fair evaluation. But I don't know if they're going to be put in the realm of a Clemson who's played Miami and actually had a decent schedule this year with Notre Dame in the conference to sneak into that fourth spot. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think it's Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, and then there's that one spot open. I just don't know that the big the, the Pac-12 will get serious consideration this year. Yeah, and let me just get one thing off my chest before we talk about the NBA Finals here. It is a complete joke at the College Football Playoff Committee. Didn't expand the playoff to eight teams this year. You've already got teams not playing their full schedule. You've already got all these colleges losing a ton of money. You are playing the playoffs still, but it's only four teams. There's no conferences. Like, the Pac-12 isn't playing any Big 12 teams. The Pac-12 isn't playing Big 10. Big 10 isn't playing Big 12. How? Like, there's no way of, of knowing how good any of these teams are. Why not expand the playoff to eight teams? Have these teams play a, f- a few more games. There's more money for everyone. And it's more fun because every conference gets in. There's three at-large teams. And I, I just don't see how I don't see how anyone loses in this situation. Like, how is it not an 18 playoff this year, Jerry? You know, and UCF gets into the playoff finally, so that's always good. Um, but no, actually, on a serious note, though, uh, yeah, I mean, you and I have been proponents of an 18 playoff since the beginning of time of this college football playoff, um, and I think that college football fans like us obviously want more expanded playoffs and. You know, there's reasons that they don't want a more extended playoff, and it dilutes the product if there's an eight seed, and clearly they're not as good as the one. And that's fine. That's an okay argument, but obviously more football is better for both advertisements and the fans, um, and it lets more schools in. But if you're going to do it any year, I mean, come on. This is the year to do it, right? 2020, no one's playing each other in the other conferences like you mentioned. This is the perfect year for expanded playoffs. You know, revenue's down. Uh, the total games amount is down. And so this is a great opportunity for the schools and everyone alike, the fans, the advertisers, the television, all of it. It makes sense for everyone to do it. And they voted no. College football is broken. The NCAA is a terrible ruling body. Um, the only problem is there's nobody to compete with them. So there's no way to you know check them and put them in their place. It absolutely sucks. There has to be reform or some sort of way to expand the college football playoff. Uh, totally with everything you just said. Uh, But enough of us ranting about this. Uh, Let's get to the NBA Finals. The Heat are now down 3-1. to Pretty competitive game for it. Bam Adebayo was back. uh, Came down to the very end in the fourth quarter. It was 92-90. He had a chance to win it with Jimmy Butler's open three in the corner, which he missed. Tosh, your take on the current place of the NBA Finals. Yeah, man. Um... We all hate seeing the Lakers win this, but uh, 
it's hard to imagine they're going to lose this lead. But uh, I think where this series is really determined, it was two things. It was Goran Dragic getting hurt. And you can see it down the stretch. I mean, the, the Heat just don't have enough guys who are good enough with the ball to handle ball pressure, to create shots for themselves and others. Like, they're just missing that one piece, and it, the dude's on the bench because he's hurt. Um, the Lakers catch an ultimate break there. And then secondly was games one and two, Eric Spolster deciding to go with a ton of zone, um, which they hadn't really done until, like, late in the Boston series. And it worked well against Boston because Boston doesn't really have great passers, um, and they don't have a ton of rebounders. But the Lakers have passers. Like, that's their best part about their offense is passers, three-point shooters, and rebounders. And that's what the zone has struggles with. And once they got out of the zone, the Lakers just really can't score consistently. Um, and and so if they had not played zone, I think they would have won game two probably. And this would be a 2-2 series. But uh, it's 3-1. One of the Heat's best players is out. And it's hard to imagine that the Lakers are going to blow this lead. But if they do, I think uh, everyone will be super excited about that. Yeah, that's kind of my take on the finals, Gary. How about you? Well, first off, I'll have you know the Celtics have great passers. Tatum has improved very much, as a good Celtics fan would say. And Kemba, the report came out that uh, he had an injury. It was leaked that he had an injury in the Eastern Conference Finals. So no surprise right. there, Enough really, from the Boston the media. Enough about yeah. the Celtics. Okay, so anyways, moving on to this this matchup, um, I think that, yeah, what you said is pretty accurate. Uh, the Goran Dragic injury, yeah, I think it does swing the tide a little bit. I think the Lakers would still be a better team even with Goran Dragic, but it obviously gives them another scoring option and some more versatility both inside and, you know, running around on the perimeter off the screen. Um, but, you know, I think it comes down to Anthony Davis just being absolutely dominant. You know, we saw in the fourth quarter in game four, LeBron did take it to the hole, got fouled, and was pretty angry. But at the very end, was just like, hey, you know, AD, like, you take the shot. And he basically just squared up, took a three, and absolutely buried it for the dagger. Um, and so, basically, I've been saying it for this whole entire playoff run, even though I was high on the Clippers at first, that AD is just pretty much as he goes, the Lakers go. Like, if he plays great, there's really no stopping him. And... Now, you know, a bunch of the media, not just us two, has been like, is this the best player that LeBron has ever played with? And so, you know, maybe peak Dwayne Wade was a little bit better offensively, but there's no question that as a two-way player, like AD is, you know, the best player that LeBron has ever played with. And I know that, Tosh, you are upset with him about leaving the Pelicans the way he did and forcing his way out, even though it is the modern NBA and that's how it works, but it doesn't seem to matter because it paid off. And so... What I'm having trouble with is, I'm assuming now that the Lakers are going to win this series, is how do we look at Anthony Davis's career? Because, you know, Kevin Durant got to the finals pretty early on in his Thunder career, and then we vilified him for leaving a team that was up 3-1 to one to go to the team that beat him in the Warriors. And so, you know, Anthony Davis is this great player, but to your point that I think gets lost a lot, Tosh, is you bring up that he force his way out of the Pelicans on a bad team to the Lakers to a situation he wanted. And you frown upon that, but that's the modern NBA. And I think he's a great player, but I, you know, I don't know how to deal with that exactly yet or how to think about. Let me help you here, Jerry. Let me help you here. 
Anthony Davis. Okay, this is not the modern NBA. This is the Anthony Davis, LeBron James, conspir- like conspiring, breaking the tampering rules. That's what that is. Um, no other player has done this other than Kawhi Leonard. And it's literally those two. They're like They sat out the, the entire season because they didn't like their situation or whatever. If you don't like your situation, do something about it. You're Anthony Davis. You're one of the best players in basketball. There's no reason you've got Drew Holiday. You've got other pieces. There's a team that almost made the playoffs this year without him. You, there's no reason why you can't at least like they. He won a playoff series. Yeah, but like, wait, 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 hold on. No, this like, team, this team like, almost made the playoffs without him because they had Zion. You know, Alonzo Ball. Brandon Ingram. It wasn't like it was the team that... 10 games. No, no, but it wasn't the team that had Anthony Davis on it. It had a lot more pieces and a lot more depth on this team that almost made the playoffs as the ninth seed. Uh, But but to your point, like, what you were saying, him, you know, taking it into his own hands, like, he kind of did. He forced his way out of the Pelicans. He didn't continue playing for that franchise. Yeah, and so I think the worst part about it all is if I'm Anthony Davis and I say, okay, I want to trade... It's one thing to go tell your GM that behind closed doors and handle it properly. It's another thing to have your agent, LeBron's buddy, who you just signed with because you switched agents, leak it to the media and say that you're only going to re-sign with the Lakers so no other team wants to trade anything for you. Like That's basically just forcing his way to one team, screwing over one franchise, just dramatically helping the Lakers who have been terribly run for years, um, don't deserve anything good, honestly. And he just, he, he took like, he took it the easy way out. He screwed over the whole fan base, the whole franchise. And while he's a good player, like what he's did is worse than KD, worse than Paul George, worse than Kyrie. Like what he yeah, did okay, is. But I, we think about them very differently than Kawhi though. And like, we all praise Kawhi for being, this guy that puts his head down and gets it done. But like he did the same thing where he forced his way out of San Antonio. And, you know, you mentioned all those guys like Kyrie and Katie that, you know, kind of left, but I noticed that you met left off Kawhi in that situation and they're pretty similar. And it doesn't seem like you have the same disdain for Kawhi on this one. I, I view Kawhi in pretty much the same way. Um, I think what he did is pretty bad. The only thing that he didn't do that I can respect is, he didn't say trade me to the Lakers or trade me to the Clippers. You know, he said, I'm going to play this year and see how it goes, which allowed his team to go to any team and say, this is what the deal is. And we're going to give, you know, give up as much as you want. He didn't corner the market, which I think is against, it should be against, like it just cornered the market. It made it so they couldn't get as much. They knew no one else was going to give up as much. And he forced his way to the team. Um, But you know, that's, I guess that's, that's our Anthony Davis and in, in that take, but uh, on the MLB playoffs, the A's today, I guess yesterday, as you're listening to this, had a great comeback down by four in the later innings. Uh, that series is two, one Astros. Everyone hates the Astros. Let's see if the A's can come back there. The Yankees uh, losing today big as we record this, it's looking like they're actually losing pretty big and it's looking like they're in deep trouble down two one. The Rays have arms on arms. They've got bats on bats. Man, they're they're ripping the ball. This Arenza Reina kid has like four home runs in, a, in four games with home runs in a row. Four games with two hits in a row. Uh, he's insane. Not a free agent until twenty twenty six. So the Yankees can't sign him up. Um, 
the NL, it's looking like the Braves are going to give the Marlins their first playoff uh, series loss ever. They're up 2-0, and the Dodgers and Padres are playing right now. The Padres are just super injured. It's going to be hard to imagine the Dodgers um, not taking that series. But, Jerry, as someone who hasn't been following baseball that closely, this has been a really fun time, hasn't it? Oh, definitely. And I actually have been watching it this playoffs. What really sucks is that my power went out when I was watching A's Astros. And it was actually just tied up 4-4 on the solo shots. And then the Astros coming back. Your A's taking the lead. Um, and so I'm, I'm probably pissed off that I didn't get to see the end of that game. But unfortunately, out of my hands. Uh, yeah, the Yankees lineup is disgusting, which absolutely blows. Um, I, I also really like that you mentioned that the Marlins uh, have never lost a playoff series. And both of the previous times they've been in the playoffs, they've won the World Series, which I think is great. Um, and then we, you know, you and Sam didn't give him a shot to make the playoffs. And so the fact they're even here is awesome. Uh, another thing I want to mention is the Padres and kind of your take on them. And uh, didn't uh, Clevenger leave early uh, yesterday yeah. with an injury? Let me give you the lowdown on the pods. Um, really good season. Got a really good lineup. Uh, great defensively and a great bullpen. And during the regular season, they had great starting pitching and they were, you know, up there with the Dodgers is the two of the best teams in baseball. And uh, their two top pitchers, Dilson Lamette and Mike Clevinger both got hurt. And so Dilson Lamette's like a Cy Young dude, one of the best pitchers in baseball. He's out, Clevinger's out. They don't have starting pitching. Their bullpen's getting overtaxed because every game they're, they're having to do a bullpen game. Literally every game, um, they, they're doing a bullpen game, uh, which is crazy to me. And they're, they're fighting hard. Um, they really need this game, too, over Kershaw, who is giving up some runs, um, and as he does in the playoffs, even though he's, he's looked a lot better this year, I will say that. But um, – the Padres, it's just going to be hard with their bullpen and their arms. They don't have enough arms. It's five games in a row. Like, it's really tough. And so the Dodgers, are, I think, are going to take that series. And it to me, it's really, you know, unless the Braves can upset the Dodgers or the A's are at, like, it, I think the two best teams in baseball, they've been it all year, are the Rays and the Dodgers. They've got the most arms. They both have pretty stacked lineups. They're both playing pretty well right now. And I think that World Series is going to be an absolute – uh, fight and battle, and I'm, you know, I'm rooting for my A's, but th- that's going to be a fun series to watch. I think everyone's going to be rooting for the Rays, and you know, don't sleep on the Rays. Yeah, I really like that take. Even though they are in the in the Sox division in the East, uh, I much rather see them over the Yankees, as I keep reiterating. Um, but thank you for the baseball update. I am doing my best to follow it. I actually really enjoy playoff baseball. It brings me back to my childhood. And, uh, you know, every pitch matters so much more in the postseason, um, much more entertaining, at least to me. Um, but that being said, I would love to turn it over to my lock of the week for the NFL Week 5. It's not one lock. It's not two locks. No, 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 no. It's a combination of two to make a little plus odds for you this week, to make yourself a little bit of money, okay? Here we go. The Seahawks and Vikings over-under on this game. Usually we pick the game, the spreader straight up on the money line. No, no, no. This week, this over-under on the Seahawks-Vikings game is 57.5 for minus 110. Let me tell you this. Last week, the Seahawks played the Dolphins. 
and the and the total was 54. The Vikings took on the Texans, and it was 54. These defenses can't stop anybody. You're telling me when they face off this week, they're not going to get three extra points than they got in the week prior? They, of course they are. Secondly, the Pittsburgh Steelers are taking on the Philadelphia Eagles, and the Steelers are off of a bye week. Meanwhile, the Eagles just beat the 49ers on Sunday night football. There's no way they went two in a row. I'm so low on the Eagles. I'm very high on the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's minus 330. You're not going to get a big payout. Here's the thing, though, Tosh. If you combine the Seahawks-Vikings over with the Pittsburgh Steelers beating the Philadelphia Eagles, you get plus 150 odds. You can't beat that. That's my lock of the week. Take the over on the Seahawks-Vikings. Take Pittsburgh Steelers to beat the Eagles straight up on the money line. You get plus 150. You get out of here with a good payday. Yeah, I... I like that. Um, I do. But the one thing that worries me is just Kirk Cousins being incompetent and the Vikings laying an egg and putting up like 17 points. Um, but that game should be a shootout. It should be in the 30s. So I do like that. Um, that's just the one thing that worries me is Cousins just sucking. Um, but Jerry, now on to my lock of the week. I'm keeping this simple. After the uh, Bucks with Brady, your boy Brady just won by seven. The spread was seven, so I didn't win. I didn't lose, but that was a bad, you know, pick six and all. So I'm back, and and how better to get back on track than the than the pick against the pathetic, the worst team in football, the worst coach in football, a backup quarterback now with Joe Flacco. Uh, in the New York Jets. I'm taking the Cardinals minus seven over the Jets. Uh, and the Cardinals are going to blow the Jets out. Kyler Murray, this is where he gets back on track. He's on turf. He's going to be super fast. He's going to run for two touchdowns. Uh, all Cardinals in this. And and I really like the Cardinals in this game. And I just don't see how they don't blow the Jets out. Yeah, listeners, don't overthink this one. Tosh is right on this. There's no way the Jets beat the Arizona Cardinals. We both like Kyler Murray. Yeah, easily one rushing touchdown, possibly two. Um, you know, Ella was high on Joe Flacco last year as the guy to save the Broncos, and we know that just is not the case. Uh, yeah, there's just no way the Jets and Adam Gase beats uh, the Arizona Cardinals and Cliff Kingsbury. So I, I, I like that. It's pretty safe money. Uh, not a huge payout, but I love it as the lock of the week. You know, make some easy coin. You know, don't spend it all in one place. Uh, my upset of the week, Tosh. I actually struggled this week, did a lot of research. Uh, I was looking at two different games. So my upset of the week, uh, I like the Cleveland Browns and what they did against the Dallas Cowboys, even though they don't have a defense. They were able to keep up in the shootout over the Indianapolis Colts. They are plus one and a half points for a plus 108 payout. It's not a great payout, but it's my upset of the week. They are underdogs. The Colts. Their defense has actually impressed me, Tosh. We wrote them off after week one, but they are back and ready to compete for this division with the Tennessee Titans, who look to be in a heap of trouble with the NFL. But that's for another uh, another story. The Browns have a pretty good offense. The Colts are coming off a win against the Bears where their offense looked okay. Their defense kept them in that game. I'm not sure they're going to be able to limit the Browns in this game. Another game that I'm looking at, if you want a little bit higher of a payout, not my upset of the week, but a game that I'm keeping my eye on, the Dolphins and Ryan Fitzpatrick over the 49ers. I don't have that much confidence in the 49ers. 
the Jimmy Garoppolo might be back for this game, but there's no guarantee. The spread is pretty large on eight and a half. You want a little bit safer money? I like Fitzmagic and what he's been doing with that offense to keep it pretty close. So keep an eye on that game. Yeah, I was I was actually really close to picking um, Miami as my upset of the week. Um, to your point on Indy Cleveland, Jerry, I'm fully back on the Indy bandwagon. I just feel I wish I just wish Phil Rivers didn't suck. But uh, their defense is legit, which is what I, why I liked them at the beginning of the year, and I thought Phil Rivers would be better. He's not. But uh, I think the, the Browns might have a tough time running the ball in that game, and if they can't run the ball, I don't really trust Baker to win the game. So of those two, I, I do kind of like Miami more. Um, but for my upset of the week uh, is, is a good one here, and I think that this is going to be Dan Quinn's last game. Uh, Falcons are favored here and just not really sure how they deserve to be favored in this game. Carolinas look good. They're hot. They're coming off two wins. Atlanta has the short week Monday night football. Julio Jones didn't practice today. He's probably not going to play after he tried to come in in that Packer game and then came out. Uh, the only thing that worries me is if Atlanta's really just fighting for Dan Quinn's job and that for whatever reason they really like him. But I do think Carolina's the better team. Matt Rule's the better coach. Uh, and they're more, you know, they've got more to play for at this point. And so I'd, I'd like Carolina plus 125 to win that game on the road and uh, take care of business of a bad Atlanta team. And so that is our lock and upset of the week. Joe, your thoughts on my upset? You know, for me, uh, Carolina and Atlanta is a stay away game just because even though Julio's out and I'm all for firing Dan Quinn, and replacing him, uh, that offense is crazy explosive. And honestly, I don't know what to make of Carolina. Uh, some weeks they're really explosive and their defense is okay. Other weeks they can't stop anybody and their offense looks, you know, pretty average. Um, and so I like Teddy Bridgewater as a quarterback. I just don't know what to make of Carolina. So this is a stay away game for me. Yeah, and I mean picking an upset of the week. You're not going to hit on them every week, but uh, if you hit on a few of them, you'll, you'll get some good payouts. And so we've hit on a few of ours and uh, we're going to keep the upsets coming for you. Um, and as always, check out 2tvsports.com and be on the lookout Mondays, not so overreaction. Tuesdays, the Tuesday morning blitz. Wednesdays, top 2TV, top 25. And Thursdays, the Tosh and Jerry pod and our picks. And then Fridays, the 2TV weekend spotlight. All on 2TVsports.com. Check out our Instagram, at 2TVsports. And our Twitter, at 2TVsports. So, uh, Jerry, it's going to be a fun week of sports. Hopefully the NFL can stay out of this whole COVID situation. And, uh, yeah, we'll be watching. Looking forward to that Friday article. I'm looking forward to Miami Clemson. It's going to be a big test, one versus seven or one versus eight, whatever Miami's ranked now. Uh, We'll see if the U is actually back. I know Clemson's going to be prepared with Trevor. Yeah, I think the U gets smacked in that game. But uh, as always, check out our stuff. And uh, 2TV Sports is signing off the mic.